Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 192, Managing Private Land Seminar from the NWTF Convention. And I am your host and the guy who did it again this past weekend. I actually spotted some more poults this weekend, and I was able to get a picture of them this time. So I only saw one hen Saturday, but she just so happened to have three poults with her. And as they walked across the road in front of my vehicle, I took their picture, and a couple of them even turned and smiled for the picture, which was pretty cool. So I'm excited about seeing poults. I still am a little on the pessimistic side about our hatch in Alabama this year. I think, and this is just me thinking out loud, that with the rainfall that we had in the month of May, we probably are going to have some areas in the state that had very poor recruitment of poults, and we're probably going to have some areas in the state that had very good recruitment of poults. We will see. Nonetheless, seeing three more poults made my day on Saturday. And I also got to create a few bass beds in the lake. So I should be able to pull a few fish out of those spots this coming weekend. That's a pretty good thing. And right now, today, we are 260 days, 8 hours, 37 minutes, and 30 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Only 260 days. So this week I've got part of the Managing Private Land Seminar from the NWTF Convention. And if you recall in episode number 174, which was the NWTF Convention recap show, I mentioned this particular seminar. And I talked about one of the topics that was discussed in this seminar, and that was the federal program where states can use federal money to lease private land for public hunting. I know it's a little confusing, but this is the seminar that I learned about that program in. So I'm going to replay part of this seminar for you guys. Now, I'm going to tell you that I had to sit in the back 
of this seminar because I got there pretty late. So the audio is not the best in the world. I am afraid that there's going to be probably a word or two in the seminar that you're just not going to be able to to understand where the speaker probably pulled the microphone away from his or her mouth or turned their head away from the mic or whatever it happens to be. But there's going to be a time or two where you're going to miss something. I wouldn't worry about it. You're going to get the gist of what the seminar was about. And maybe like me, you might get an idea or two in your head about trying to get your state NWTF chapter to start lobbying the powers that be in your state to get their hands on some of this federal money to lease private lands for public hunting. So without any further delay, here is the Managing Private Land Seminar from the NWTF convention. And I will see you guys on the other side. You have a lot of 
non-native species. A lot of songbirds are associated with that young forest shrubland habitat. The bird that's pictured up here is a golden-winged warbler. And then the, in my area, in New York and New England, our big target species is actually a New England cottontail. So it's a rabbit. And it's the only native rabbit species to New England. And because of the lack of habitat and competition with the eastern cottontail, they're, they're on the decline. They're having issues with their populations. So and it, thinking of our game species, rough grouse, woodcock, turkey, deer, bear, all of these species benefit greatly from known forest habitat and from active forest management. All right, what are the specific benefits for turkeys with the young forest habitat? Mainly it's nesting. You're going to be providing nesting cover. If you take a forest and cut down the forest, cut down part of the forest, and leave the poles and leave the crowns of those trees, you're going to be providing what's called coarse woody debris. And coarse woody debris is extremely important for nesting. It provides protection and it provides cover, not just for turkeys, but for multiple species. What's also important is the canopy cover. We talked about having that vertical diversity in the shrubland and the young forest habitat. That's going to protect these turkeys that are sitting on nests from aerial predators. So the more layers that you have, the more cover you're going to have. And then also the food availability. So the availability for the hens while they're on the nest, while they're moving back and forth and laying those eggs. And then once those eggs hatch, those poults really need a high insect diet. And having a variety of plants means you're going to have a variety of insects. So having that diversity is extremely important for nesting and for, for broods and poults when they first hatch. So going into how to create a young forest habitat. There's two main ways of creating a young forest habitat. One is allowing a field to grow. If you leave a field alone, it's going to go through something called natural succession, which is just different stages of plants. If you let a field grow, it's going to go from grasses to shrubland, and then from shrubland to sapling, seedling trees, and then from seedling sapling trees, you're going to eventually get a mature forest. So allowing that natural process will create a shrubland habitat for a small window of time, probably like 15 to 20 years. And then it's going to eventually grow up into a mature forest, and then you're going to have to do a different type of management, which is timber harvest. So the type of timber harvest that we're doing specifically to create this young forest habitat in New York isn't a clear cut necessarily because we talked about that coarse woody debris that's important for the turkey nesting, right? It's also important for the regeneration of those plants. So in New York specifically, we have pretty high deer population. If you were to do a clear cut, it would be very hard for those plants to be able to grow back. And, and, and so you do a clear cut and you take all of those trees away. It's gonna be hard for those plants to grow back because the deer pressure is so heavy. They're gonna be eating all of those new, yummy sprouts that are coming out of the ground. So if you leave holes and you leave crowns, you can take some out, you can use them for firewood. If you leave a good portion of them on the ground, you're going to be allowing protection for those new plants, as well as protection for the, the, the turkeys and the rabbits and a good variety of wildlife. The other thing that's important is that we're not doing a fair cut either. We're doing more of a seed tree cut. So I'm retaining trees that are important for wildlife. I'm retaining fruit and nut trees. So you have your mast, you have those oaks and those hickories that will be growing back as you're providing a seed source. 
but then I'm also retaining snags and cavity trees. So trees that could be either used for by like woodpeckers or used by uh, bees and used by uh, bats or raccoons. Different types of habitat that that are needed across the landscape. So um, not just taking all of the trees off, but leaving some protection. This is kind of a picture of an ideal shrubland you know, forest habitat. You have that mature tree that's going to be your seed source. You have those vertical layers. You have different heights of vegetation. You have some grasses. You have some shrubs. Just providing that that detail and providing all those those variety for those wildlife. So the partnerships. Why is this important to you? How can you maybe get involved? That type of thing. Our main partner that I'm working with is the Natural Resource Conservation Service. And uh, we were talking about that in the previous presentation as well, how NRCS can provide cost-share funding for landowners that are interested in creating quality habitat on their land. The programs that I work with mostly and the programs that are available in my area are the Environmental Quality Incentive Program, EQIP, and then the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, RCPP. These are the main ones that I see being used in my area, but there are multiple different um, programs that are available across the country. Specifically, my RCPP that I'm working on is an agreement between Wildlife Management Institute and NRCS, and they've brought in four partners. So we have the National Wild Turkey Federation, Quality Deer Management, Rough Ground Society, and Audubon. So there are biologists from all four of these organizations that are working on this RCPP specifically in New York. And the name of that RCPP is the Young Forest Initiative for At-Risk Species. So that's kind of gearing towards that young forest habitat. And there's four of us across the state that, that are able to help landowners. So pretty much NRCS plus WMI equals happy landowners. Um, specifically, what we do and what we can provide is site evaluations. If a landowner is interested in increasing wildlife on their land or improving habitat, then I can go out and those other partners can go out to their property and do a site <coughs> evaluation, walk the property with you, and tell you what we see. Take your goals into consideration, but also kind of let you know what's needed. Like if you have a lot of invasive species, we're going to tell you, and we're going to let you know that, that it would be beneficial to treat those invasive species. Um, the next thing is written recommendations. For all the properties that I go see, I write down everything that we talked about. I write down the recommendations and kind of how you can approach that, uh, like a management type. I'm not going to write you a full management plan, but I'll definitely write you recommendations on how to improve your property. And then if you're interested in creating young forest habitat in my area, then I can help you find funding for those programs. And anyone that's working on a similar program can do the same thing in your area. New York isn't the only one that has money available for creating wildlife habitat. All the states have um, NRCS programs, and all of our states have um, NWTF biologists that you're able to contact and ask questions to. And if you don't mind, we're going to hold all the questions till the end. Oh, 
with the National Wild Turkey Federation is working with Texas Parks and Wildlife to lease private lands for public hunting. Uh, anybody here from Texas? That's what I thought. I'm going to go real quick about what I do for Texas, and then we'll talk about what you all can do as landowners where you're at, because there's an awful lot of crossover that's, that's outside of Texas. It's going to be real hard to see those numbers. Uh, if you can see the red in each state, that's a graphic representation of how much public land is in your state. And you see what happens once you hit the once you hit the Mountain West. It's a lot of public land, but the rest of the country is really good. It's not very much. So specifically in Texas, Texas is the second largest state in the union, and we have a little less than 2% public land. Uh, hunting in states that don't have public land is very difficult. So that's what we're going to talk about. It's key through Texas real fast. Parks and Wildlife, Texas Parks and Wildlife has had a program for 30 years where the state takes money, the state becomes the lease, the lease seed. They're leasing land to open it up to public hunting. It's not as scary as it sounds, uh, but it takes a little bit of landowners to talk to their neighbors that fit in the program. Uh, so it's been going on for 30 years. When Texas Parks and Wildlife partnered with NWTF, the program took off. Uh, there's three of me in the state and we're able to, to focus completely on leasing land. Uh, so since we started doing it for the state, NWTF has opened up 56 leases in 29 counties and a little over 21,000 acres of land. That's something we're pretty proud of that's happened in the last three years. Uh, this last year, we're able to do some things that are more difficult for the, for the state to do. We were able to, to open up some pronghorn hunts. Uh, people in Texas, we found out through surveys, are very interested in pronghorns. We started focusing on pronghorn. This last year, the first year we tried, we opened up three adult hunts and two youth hunts. Uh, this is something you don't know how to deal with the, with the state or federal agency. There's some bureaucracy and the wheels turn slowly. Partnering with NWTF allows us to cut that red tape. So we were able to do pronghorn hunts in the first year, but it probably would have taken the state four or five years to get ready. Um, we're pretty proud of that. If you count the long or the pronghorn hunts in, we had almost 36,000 acres of land access. The NWTF has, has helped Texas partial wildlife. This is pretty typical on our leases. We have a check-in station. You'll see that little metal box. This is all on private land. The hunters are required to check in in the box, and when they, when they finish hunting, they check out, they tell us what they saw, what they shot, how many of what they shot, whether they liked it or not, what we can do differently. Uh, everybody that hunts these, everybody has to have a hunting license to hunt. But to hunt the private lands, you have to buy an additional $48 permit. Uh, that $48 gets you on any of the leases all the way across the state. Uh, the gang wardens, when they check, they want to make sure you, you register. We take this seriously because we want to know what, what's being shot. Make sure that we're doing it right. There we go. Let's get outside of Texas and, and think about y'all, the rest of the country. We are losing hunters. You're going to hear that the, the, this, this whole weekend. Hunters are walking away. New hunters aren't being recruited as quickly as they should. What I encounter a lot in Texas is when I'm looking for, for land police, when I'm talking to landowners, all they think of is deer. So when I start talking to them about leasing their land, they think, well, I don't want you to lease my deer. Somehow, we as a group, we as a community, we have, we have changed everyone's minds with the way they think about it is big game. So y'all saw my next slide. For those of you that have been around a little while, you remember the magazine rack at the store used to have pictures like this. 
rabbits and squirrels, whatever was in season was going to be in season. If you go right now down to Barnes and and you look at the rack of hunting magazines, what do you say? Monster mule deer, monster whitetail, monster elk. Now, there's, don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but we, we have changed our community where it sounds like the only legitimate hunting is big game. And that's expensive and it's difficult, right? New hunters or people that would be interested in hunting that aren't quite there yet, if all they see is this, it's intimidating. We have forgotten, we have very much forgotten, rabbit, squirrel, and small game hunting is legitimate hunting. Agreed? This is probably most of us in this room when we started hunting. This was a gateway, right? You got to shoot rabbits, you shoot squirrels, you shoot dove. In Texas, we shoot a lot of dove, a lot of pheasant. But these magazines don't sell. Y'all see what we've done. What I see dealing with landowners now, trying to talk about this in their land, is when I'm, when I'm talking to them, all they're thinking is big game. We want to open up this kind of hunting again. To get people back into the game, this is this all ties into R3. It's getting people, hunters that have walked away reactivated, new hunters, new hunters coming in. It's that recruitment, retention, reactivate. And a lot of that is through small games. Um, let's go back to this map. Most of us probably live in the eastern side of this. Is that right? So we're dealing with, we live in places where if you're going to start hunting, you're going to have to know somebody. So if you don't have a program like what NWTF is doing with Texas Parcel Wildlife, it's going to be you. We in this room are the future of hunting. We're the future of R3. We're the future of getting people back into it. So if you have land, you're part of this. There's a lot of ways you can do it. It sounds scary, but this is the next step. We, we should all, and you're going to hear a lot this weekend, we should all take people hunting. To get people introduced into our sport, but if you're one of those unique people in the country that's a landowner, this is a brave step. But consider your land as part of as part of our three. So what can you do? Volunteer public access. The, the money that I'm spending is all of our tax money. It's tied to the, to the, to the national farm bill. That money you can encourage your state to get it. Or any state unit can get it. Um, join forces with an R3 coordinator to host the hunt. The NWTF, and you're going to hear a lot about that this week, this weekend, we've got a lot of R3 people coming on board. They're out doing the work, they just need somewhere to take folks in some places. R3 coordinator in Texas is going to need land to go, to go take people. Um, I gave a talk, this was a couple months ago, with my alma mater. I'm from, I got a degree, a while degree from Texas Tech. I gave a talk to their graduate association. These are only master's and PhD candidates getting degrees in wildlife management, not biology, wildlife management. I asked them who had never been hunting, and almost the entire group of 50 students raised their hand. These are students getting degrees in wildlife management without hunting. Uh, I had a landowner that I partnered with that was going to give us uh, turkey access. And I asked the students, if you, Turkey Federation, if we bring the guns, we've got the guys, we've got the land, who wants to go? And they just kind of looked at me. That should shock all of us. It definitely shocked me, but it made me more passionate about this. We as a community have got to do a better job of promoting our sport, promoting our, our heritage and our legacy. Um, in Texas, I don't know about where y'all are, day hunts. People listen to day hunts on Craigslist. Y'all familiar with that? 
This happens in Texas a lot with, with dove and geese and cranes and, and other waterfowl. Um, I can't imagine this working real well with deer or big game, but it's another way is using a landowner. You can broker your own hunts, but it's it's bringing some money into you. You're having to deal with public a little bit more than some of these other other programs, but it's a way to to make your land open to people that are needing space. Y'all remember this, this is a significant problem. And it's not gonna get it better. You know, they're not the old adage they're not making any more land, that's true. Something I want y'all to think about this, this weekend while here, our prayers are being put, what can you do as a landowner to provide those opportunities? You think about those college students that I just told you about. I need to find a group of landowners that are willing to, to step up and just get the, I mean, those folks are going straight into our industry to get them out of the field. It will benefit them as biologists. It will make them better spokesperson, spokespeople, if, if they're out hunting. Um, look around. Talk to the folks in your church. Talk to the folks in your community. If you're, if you're scared of opening up to just the general public, people that you may be closer to that you just never noticed before, if you're a landowner, if you have that unique opportunity to provide access, you can make a significant impact in ways that maybe you haven't thought about before. So that's, that's what I want to challenge you all with. If you're in that boat, if you have land, think about this. If you don't have land, but you're willing to take new hunters out and maybe you know somebody with land, everybody can connect. It's our responsibility to do this. Um, because hunters are, hunters are walking away. In Texas, one of the biggest things we're, we're worried about in another two generations, if we don't get the numbers up, we will be outvoted. Texas just had to pass a right to hunt law. That seems a little ridiculous, doesn't it? But in two generations, if we don't reverse the numbers, that legislation probably doesn't get passed. This is this is not this Texas specific. So I challenge you all this weekend. You're here because you're passionate about the outdoors. You're here because I assume you're passionate about hunting. Like I said, just being in the outdoors. Let all these talks, let all the moves that you're going to see, let them get those juices flowing. Think about how, how you specifically can help. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to questions. The three of us are, are here. What do you all want to talk about? With the program that you're over in Texas, where you're, the state's actually leasing land from private landowners, what protections are there established for the landowner at that point, and how do the lease rates compare with what they could get by leasing to a hunting club? Or, you know, what are, how does it compare with market rates for rent for land lease? All right, so that is all that I have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the seminar about managing private land, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, what you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter. Make that one word. Do not put a space between turkey and hunter. You're going to text that one word to the number 44222. After you do that, I'm going to send you a text message back that says, please reply with your email address only. When you reply with your email address only, I will then email you a link that you can click on, even on your mobile device, where you can create a username and a password for the Podbean 
application, which is where you're going to listen to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast, and you can pay the $12 annual subscription fee, which won't be $12 much longer. So go ahead and subscribe now. By subscribing, not only will you get the premium content for this week's episode, but you're going to get access to the premium content for every episode that we've done in the past, as well as every episode for the next 52 weeks. All of that for the low, low price of 12 bucks. Go ahead and subscribe today. I don't think you'll be disappointed with the value that you're going to get. And with that said, the next piece of business I need to take care of is to ask you, if you haven't already done so, to leave a five-star rating and a review for the Turkey Hunter podcast. That is a huge help to the show. That's my favor for the week is to do that. So if you haven't already, please do so. That will help people who stumble across the show decide whether or not they want to listen to an episode. And from there, it's up to me to keep them coming back for more. And that is it. That is all that I have for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.